Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to another episode of Ride Around the Road. Today we are going somewhere different. Uh, we're off to Nashville in the USA and we're talking to the beautiful Sherilyn Kenyon. Good morning, Sherilyn. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm very, very well, thank you. Now, everybody, my guest today has over 70 million books published in the paranormal romance fiction, I believe. Is that correct, Sherilyn? Uh, some days. Uh, <laughs> they're actually cross-genres, so they, they stick me all over the place, depending on the mood they're in. Uh, and I, I discovered that for myself, everybody. Yesterday I went into our local bookshop here in Brisbane uh, just to buy a couple of Sherilyn's novels for, for my research, as it is rainy Sunday and I had to sit down and read my books. And the people in the bookshop sent me to three different sections to find your books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the thing is you're an international bestseller. Uh, you have a new book that has just been released by the time we uh, put this podcast to air. But in reality, everybody, as I speak to Cheryl, and it's due in 19 hours and it has this wonderful countdown on the clock. Uh, the book is called Stygian. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. So. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, one of the reasons that uh, Sherilyn's on the podcast today, everybody, is the amazing marketing that surrounds her her work. Uh, Stygian, can you tell us a little bit more about that one? Uh, it's the first really in-depth look on, on the side of the bad guys. I mean, I've done a little in the past, like uh, with Stryker's book, which came out, oh gosh, I guess it was 2008 where, you know, I, his book was based on where you get to go deep into the daemon side of things. They're the bad guys. Of, you know, I have the Dark Hunters, who are the band of warriors who chase the demons and, and the paranormal entities of the dark side of humanity. But, you know, he, while I did his, I didn't really go that much into the lore too deeply. I, I, I usually have kept that on the good side of things. But this time I really go back, like I did with Acheron and with Six, where I go to the beginning of when the daemons were first cursed, or the Avalite race was first cursed to become daemons. And you get to walk where they wake up, you know, here they had been normal, just like humanity, but Apollo has cursed the race to die at age 27 horribly. They can no longer walk in daylight. And so you get to see what it's like to be normal and then to wake up. And you had no part in this. You, you're not the one that killed Apollo's mistress. You're just this innocent person who suddenly everything in your life has now changed and you're damned for something you didn't do. And what it's like to actually wake up in their shoes and go, um, this isn't fair and this isn't right. And you get to face that decision of, do I roll over and die at age 27 for something I didn't do? Or do I choose to fight back? And survive if my survival means I have to kill other people to do it so it's this really gritty look at it but at the same time Urien who's the main character he's not a tragic hero you know with with Akron and Styx they have these tragic you know they were unwanted children and so they have these really brutal paths but Urien wasn't he was a beloved son he was you know the father the father's favorite and so he has a, a much 
happier outlook, and yet at the same time, he does have a tragic past, but it's not because he wasn't unwanted. It's because he's very much a warrior spirit, so it's a very interesting, unique perspective. Now, everybody, that is one of, it's book 29, isn't it? Uh, I don't count them. <laughs> I'm like a poker player. I don't count when I'm dead. So, okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> now, I've got to admit uh, that doing the research for this one, Sherilyn, was totally beyond me. I tried all day yesterday, uh, everyone, to get on top of this one. I've got two of my very favourite listeners uh, with this one. I've got Janine Kimberly and Deb Kelly. This one's for you guys, but I really wish you were sitting beside me as I did this interview. Sherilyn, when you're looking at, I guess, such a prolific author and series with so many novels in them, trying to get my head around it was beyond me and I've been doing I've been doing this podcast for over two years now and this is the first time I've ever had to admit defeat I cheated Sherilyn I went to the review pages and bloggers and people like that to find out a little bit more about your books and one of the first things they said is that you have stark raving fans who hang off your every word and know your <laughs> books from number one. And if you come in at the end, it is totally confusing. Is is that the case? Have you got people who just have lived and breathed with these things? Uh, there are, but I mean, you know, I get new fans all the time who have no exposure to the previous books. So, you know, and, and I write the books with that knowledge that, that there's always going to be the person who's never heard of the series, who, who know nothing about it. So, and I'm, I always seem to be that reader too, that I, I never find the first book in any series. Yeah. So, you know, any, anytime I, I do stuff, I, I always write it with that knowledge that, you know, that, that somebody new is going to find it and they'll have no idea where the first few books are. And we also have spinoff series like, De you know, Death Doesn't Bargain. Uh, the whole Deadman's Cross books are a trilogy set in the world of Dark Hunter, but they're set during the golden age of piracy. So if you know nothing about the Dark Hunter books, you're good to go because you don't, you know, they're, they're set in, during a different, the predominant Dark Hunter books are modern urban fantasy, but we do have things like um, Death Doesn't Bargain, which, like I said, are set in the 1700s, or, you know, Lords of Avalon, which is another spinoff sent. Uh, series or Chronicles of Nick. So there are sub-series within the over huge arc of Dark Hunter. Now, you've got to, you've got to be hooked by everything that was said there. Series, a spin-offs of series, and then you kicked into the Chronicles of Nick. Now, I did do some reading about the Chronicles of Nick. I was I was thinking because there was only I think there was only 8 or 9 of them and I could be wrong. Uh, but these books are all over 400 pages, aren't they? Uh, most of them, yes. Yeah. So, look, everybody, if you have never read any urban fantasy, and what do I call them, paranormal, do those words um, interchange? Uh, yeah, they, they change labels on me all the time. <laughs> so I just go with what – I think Stephen King said it best, I don't care what you call me as long as you don't call me late for lunch. <laughs> well, I've heard I've heard of um, modern urban fantasy, and I've seen your books. I'm a I'm a school teacher, and I've seen your books on my kids' desks. So some of them must cross over into young adult. Well, Nick Chronicles do. Those are definitely YA. 
Uh, that's yeah that's what I've said and look had I been at school I would have asked them about you and they could have told me everything that I need to know because you certainly delve into werewolves and vampires and all that kind of stuff don't you oh yeah yeah I cut my teeth on that (laughs) I I love this everybody if it's not clear as mud that I haven't got a clue what I'm talking about Shirley you (laughs) are very very patient with me but I the thing that really interests me and really excites me is the breadth of your, I think, not not so much your marketing, but your, your everywhere. Like you're going to Comic-Cons in the next couple of weeks, aren't you? You've got one coming up in the next few days to launch Stygion. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dragon Con, which I've been going to since I was a teenager. It, it's, you know, I grew up in Atlanta, which is where it's based. And the man who founded it, I used to go to his comic book store when I was a kid. So I've been there since the very beginning. It's like a homecoming every year to go there. Yeah. Now, I've had some experience of um, Comic-Cons or Dragon-Cons. I haven't had Dragon-Con, but Comic-Cons. Uh, here in Brisbane, Cheryl, and they have this wonderful um, event and it's here at the convention centre and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people turn up and they're all in costume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dragon Con's the big one that I, I get dressed up for, which it was easier when it was all in one hotel, but now that it's spread out across so many, it's a little harder to get through the crowd in them. But yeah, the the bigger conventions, it's a little bit harder because there's so many more people to navigate through. But yeah, I love to get dressed up. Yeah, um, and the other experience that we have, of course, is Big Bang Theory when um, oh, yeah. Sheldon goes to his Comic-Con. Uh, what happens at these things and why? Like it must be not only, as you said, an amazing experience but fantastic promotion for your books. Do you have people dress up as the characters in your books? Oh, yeah, yeah, and it, it's so thrilling. I mean, you know, I still remember the first time I ever had somebody show me a tattoo, you know, which is, oh, gosh, um, almost 20 years ago now. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting ready to put my, I'm putting my books out on the table. And it was a bookseller of all people. And she comes right up. She's like, come here, I got to show you something. She starts undoing her pants. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be arrested. What are you going to show me? I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I'm a woman, too. You know, and I'm like, well, my first thought was she's going to make me move. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, am I in the wrong spot? And she's like, no, 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 I got to show you this. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> all these thoughts are going through my mind. And then suddenly she, she pulls her pants down a little bit. She's like, look. And it's the dark hunter mark. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that at all. So, I yeah, love it. I love it. It's so awesome. I, I'm still, my mind's boggling when you say you get out your table to put out your books. How do you, how on earth do you put out a table with books when you've got so many thousands of them? I have help. <laughs> I have a lot of wonderful helpers. Yeah, I've got a good crew who, who goes with me to the events. And, you know, yeah, my, my guys are wonderful. So so tell me, you've gone, you said you went to your first Comic-Con over 10 years ago. You mentioned something about um, writing 20 years ago. When did this all start for you? Because, like, as we go into this conversation, everybody, you'll realise that Sherilyn and her books are a bit of a juggernaut. They, like... You're everywhere and you're huge in your genres, genres, genres. Yeah. Um, How did it all start for you? Uh, The first thing I ever published was that I made money at was in 1978. I'm an old bird. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I sold my first novel in 92. I finally looked it up. My son made me. So he's like, Mom, you're always guessing. Go go pull the contract. So we did that a few weeks ago. 92 is when I sold my first book. So, yeah. 
um, yeah, I'm old. I'm old as snot. And the first, yeah, the first convention I went to was in 1980. So, yeah, yeah. I love that expression. I'm so sorry, old as snot. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, I'm going to use that with the kids. I love it. Uh, now, you talk about being old, everybody. I'm sitting here and I'm completely haggard. You are absolutely beautiful you're you're clearly at the top of your game 1992 unfortunately for me is not that long ago uh these comic cons are they new or have they as you said they've been around for many years as well are they just becoming more high profile now i think it's they're more high profile dragon con started in 1987 uh with a you know I, i went with a group of my friends uh, because I, I grew up at, at the comic book store where, where they started out, I knew about that one from the get-go. But the Comic-Cons have been around uh, since I was a little kid. I went with some of those. They were tiny back in the day, though. My older brother and his friends, uh, my brother was 10 years older than me. So I got dragged to those when I was T-90. But those were, they, they were basically comic swap meets from what I remember being tiny going to them. And they've really expanded out over the years, you know, and even the big one out in San Diego, when I first started going to that one, which I can't even remember now, my children were real small. They were smaller than me. They were, they looked up to me back then and I'm only five one. Um, Yeah. The first time we went to those, you could still buy your, your ticket at the door. You could just go out there and get your, your hotel room there that day. You didn't have to make any advanced planning for them at all. So, yeah, things have changed a lot over the years. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the questions that I had on my notes. Unfortunately, I've lost my notes. I don't know if they're in the house somewhere. <laughs> uh, but one of those things is times, ha- over time things have changed, but your books on the shelves, they're front and centre, they're modern. Um, your publishers, I tried to find out who your publishers are. You're with Tor and Macmillan is one of them, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been with everybody at some point. <laughs> One of the beauties of being around for so long, I've been with all of them. <laughs> yeah. um, but how cool. And in the early days, you worked full-time. You, you're a full-time writer now, um, but you followed that tried-and-true tra- trajectory of working full-time and then transitioning into full-time writing? Well, I was always a writer. It just, yeah, it, it's hard to... God had other plans, but yeah, you know, writing, which is what I keep telling my kids. I have two sons who are are writing and wanting to be writers and they're like, mom, when I'm like, just hang in there, baby. It takes time. (laughs) They're they're like, you make it look easy. No, I don't. (laughs) Now I did read, uh, now it was a little thing that you put up for your son and it must've been on your Facebook page. And it's that wonderful thing, everybody, where it says, um, the different perceptions that people have of writers and, you know, for your for your reader, you're this glamorous person, for your editor, you're this other um, person who just churns out novels and for other writers, you're pulling your hair out and smashing the computer <laughs> to bits. Yeah, that's basically it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you have two sons following in your footsteps. That must be a, a bit of a um, honour. So you've done something right. You must have made it look like a bit of a romantic endeavour for them to follow in your footsteps. I keep asking myself, what are you thinking, children? You've seen it up close and personal. Why? Yeah, I love my oldest, though. It, it's really funny because, well, he he's now living in Japan, but when he was living at home, it was he, he he's, he's a 
he's tall, but he's a scrawny little kid. And he's like a buck 25. And I, I work in the basement, so he's up on the second story. And it, as thin as he is, he sounds like an elephant. And I can hear him all the way down in the basement. And I have on my shelves these little touch lights. And he walks so heavy that he has a strobe light going on in my office. So I have this amazing light show. And I'm down here in the middle of the night trying to work. And the lights are going on like a poltergeist that's having fun in my office. And, the, you know, the light over my head shaking. So it's like, what is he doing? You can hear him pacing. And then the elephant will start coming down the stairs. And then he throws himself in my floor because he's a drama king. He's like, oh, mom. And he's rolling around making all these noises. And I look over, are you through yet? He's like, mom. <laughs> I love it. So, does he write in the same genre as you, or has he got? Is he got oh, something? Oh yeah, he's he's doing science fiction. He's like, Mom, I got this character. He's on this planet, and he's supposed to be over here on this other planet talking Ooh. to this guy, and they're fighting, but they're not supposed to be fighting. They're not even supposed to be together. And then there's this girl, and I just can't get them to do anything. They won't cooperate. They won't stop arguing. Oh, well, son, welcome to parenthood. <laughs> there's a slide. Yeah, he said, Mom, you just don't know how hard it is to write. Uh, and your response to that is, of course? You should try doing it with an elephant walking over your head. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, son, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, look, such a privilege to have have your your kids as writers as well. And as you said, no matter how many books you've published, and you do have a few now, we won't count them up, everybody, but a quick look at Sherilyn's um, website and you will see uh, the, the number of books that are out there. Do you Do you think that there will be a day where you slow down? Uh, only when I'm dead. And then my, my third son, who's an artist, his job, because he'll remember this, the other two probably won't, his job is to bury me with a laptop with a really long extension cord uh, so that I can keep writing and or nag my sons from the grave. Oh, how cool is this? Now, the reason I asked that, I was being a little bit cheeky because you've got a new series coming out in 2019 and everybody, when Sherilyn's out here in Brisbane early next year and Sydney and Melbourne, I believe, and some other places, uh, these books will hopefully be around and we can grab them. They're the Swan series and they looked as, oh, yeah. as close to something that looks um, romantic that I saw in all your books. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to do it. I've been wanting to do this series since college I've, I've been dying to do them for so long they're um it, it's a look at the women in history that history has kind of forgotten they're they're women who really have changed the course of history that people don't know about the first one is the story of cecily farrar who came over to america um as a 10 year old orphan and she's been called the mother of america her her children went on to to be the the parents of people like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and they the founders of the country here and nobody knows who she is. And they're just they're they're amazing women. She, you know, when she came to Jamestown, 
um, she ended up on one of the farms. Every farm around her burned. And the reason her farm was survived was when they, they came to burn it, she actually was pregnant at the time, went to the door and said, uh-uh, you're not burning mine. And the Native Americans were, were so either scared of her because they're like, is the woman crazy? Or just impressed by her, her grit that they went, okay, we're leaving this one alone. <laughs> you know? And they backed off and didn't burn her farm. Yeah. And I've got to admit, everybody, that I have opened myself up to a whole new world. I'm very keen to read your books. I love I love the big books and I love those those deeper stories that clearly you throw yourself into with such passion. Uh, which brings me to the question of research. Now, uh, a lot of our listeners are writers. Now, with your research, you, you delve very deeply into myth, I think. I do. I do. It's for many reasons, but uh, I grew up with a lot of it. My, my grandfather was actually a biblical scholar, and he, he, you know, he was one of those people who every morning he'd get up, oh, dark hundred, you know, like 4 a.m., and he, he would take these amazing maps, spread them out across the kitchen table, and, you know, meticulously studied ancient languages and all and, and map things out. And, you know, I grew up watching him do that. My father was all into American history, which actually, for the most part, bores me, except for a few interesting things like Colonial Williamsburg and Jamestown. And they would fight over everything, which is a whole nother, <laughs> you know, drawn out thing. And for me, my, my period has always been ancient Um but really ancient, like my grandfather, or things like medieval um, history. And I remember one time with my dad when I was in college, my dad was like, oh, child, why are you studying ancient languages? You're never going to have a job. Just learn to repeat after me, Sherry. Y'all won't fries with that. <laughs> That's what the rest of us do. That's <laughs> the, the, the perpetual arts student. Interesting, you studied ancient languages. Now you are fluent in, I think it was French and Spanish. Uh, well, uh, my grandmother was Spanish, so I'm a, not as fluent as I was because I don't really have a whole lot of people to talk to with that. When I get around it, I'm very fluent. I have friends who are, but they sadly don't live around me. So when I get around it, it my fluency comes back. But day to day, it's I can get by. But yeah, I have to be around it. Um, and same with the French. When I get around it, I'm really fluent. But yeah, day to day, I don't get to use it that much. Yeah, and one of the one of the things that I read on on someone's blog yesterday in my very in depth research was that you are meticulous about your dialects in your novels, and you've had criticism that oh, you've been careless with your language, and it's actually in fact the complete opposite that you go to great lengths to make sure that you speak in I guess the idioms and the and the correct times. Well, right, and Spanish is one of those because you know I, I have my grandmother's dialect, but yeah. You know, because Spanish in particular is one of those where it is a very living language. And depending on where you're from, Peruvian is very different from like Juarez, which is, you know, the Mexican, which is very different from Spanish, Spanish or, yeah, it's very colloquial. So you can get into trouble fast with Spanish, you know, Panamanian and all. It's a very, very, you know, particular language. Or French. I actually am more fluent in Cajun, um, 
than than typical French, which my French readers are like, excuse me, it's like I know, but I'm I'm more fluent with Cajun, which is different from if you're Canadian French, which is not the same as French French or Old French, and yeah. 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 My grandfather being a linguist, it's like, no, 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 no. These are very, you know, my, well, my English is very different from your English. <laughs> and, and those passions, uh, when I, when I was doing my research for you, I, I didn't find a lot about that, that very academic background, but clearly it was there by, by my, I guess my delving into a few of your novels and having a look at uh, I had to go onto Amazon and download, you know, when they say look inside, so I could read the starts of some of your novels. And it was clear to me straight away that um, you have a very deep intellect. And you talk about your father being a biblical scholar. You talk about your, um, your studying ancient languages. What, what was your degree actually in? Um, well, com- comparative, because I never could pick on any one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a lifelong learner. Exactly. Well, and sadly, I have all but two classes in psychology, because, which would have been the degree, but I couldn't get through experimental, which is sad because I have a fear of rats. When I was a little kid, I had a rat run up my leg and I tried so hard. I wanted the psychology degree so badly, right? And I couldn't get through it. For And I kept walking into it and I'd freeze up. And I'm that horrible student who I look at one and I black out and I, I end up running somewhere and hiding. So if I ever and gerbils are and my kids want a hamster. Oh God! I, I can't even I can't even face down a hamster. I'm like really I'm fearless, except if you throw something small. No, I shouldn't tell anybody this. Small and fuzzy at me, I lose my mind. <laughs> Beware at the next Comic Con. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, somebody's gonna come at me dressed like one of those little gerbils. I'm gonna lose it on the commercial. <laughs> no. Uh, and you have, um, you do write pirate stories. I did hear you mention that there were pirate stories. So clearly, there are no rats on your ships. No, notice that I would never do the R O U S S. There are no R O U S S in my book. Yeah, so someone must have, um, the world must have been blessed that you didn't finish that degree because that really gave you more time to write. That's true, that is true. You know, I, I. Yeah. Um, Okay. And I I just want to touch on the mythical thing one more time because I know I've got people here who who love your genre and write in your genre. That very deep love of myth, you you almost need that to. But like I'm even thinking something you know totally unrelated like Harry Potter, Uh, J.K. Rowling's. deep, I guess, academic knowledge of, of her subject really shines through. So in your books, I'm guessing that, that that myth is really the crutch that gives your your worlds that you build such authenticity. I I try really hard. <laughs> yeah. It was you know, as a little kid, it was listening to my my grandfather. Well I had one grandfather who was a shaman and my other grandfather was an evangelist, a Baptist minister. And so listening to the two of the, it, it, it was really, I, I was very fortunate because having such a, a varied, culturally mixed bath, background, I, the stories of the two of them, they, and they were so divergent and, and their outlooks were so different. It, it really gave me a unique perspective, I think, that a lot of people don't get to have. Um, because And it kept me on my toes. You know, because their their viewpoints were so radically radically different, and at the same time, not. So yeah, it, it was you know, 
and a lot of that does come through, I think, in the books, you know, especially the ideas of good and evil and, you know, where where the world starts and, and origin stories and things like that. Because it did force me to think through things at a much younger age, I think, than a lot of children do. Yeah, and, and thinking through things, that shone out clearly in what I read from, from your work as well. And, look, excuse me, everybody... I repeat again that I failed miserably at getting to any great depth um, of Sherilyn's work, but I blame you because you write so much. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now, thinking through your stories and coming up with answers, that's a, that's a very basic thing for a writer, but sometimes that takes a while. You've got to get right into your story before you actually you find the answers that you're looking for, don't you? Uh, well, I try, oh, I try, but, I, I you know, I, I, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want to keep the reader coming. You know, I, I don't want to dump everything right at the beginning. Yeah, I want to lure them in and and get them little nuggets all the way through. Yeah, and that's the trick. And the reason I ask that question is because that's the trick of a good writer, isn't it? Is that things have got to seem impossible in order for them to work work out? Because if if we think that our characters are going to succeed. There goes the tension in the novel straight away. Right. Well, and I think that's life. <laughs> yeah. So I keep telling my kids, it's like, yeah, life tends to sucker punch us when we're least expecting it. You know, everything's good. Don't say that. <laughs> the minute you're like, it's all good. Life is great. No, 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 no. The, the sucker punch fairy's coming right behind the door. Yeah. Don't don't ever say that. Yeah. And I've I've got to ask this question. You've led me right to it. Uh, as as a prolific writer and as a writer at, at um, clearly. Clearly, I, I use the expression top of the game, but that doesn't really um, mean a thing. Uh, uh, you're a very popular writer in your genres at, at the moment. Things could change any minute and you could go off in, in a different direction or a, a novel may not work out. That That's always part and parcel no, of being a writer. don't say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why did you wish that on me? Just trying to give my, my fellow writers out there a bit of hope. Like, I don't have those fears all the time. Oh, my God. That's why I always tell my children, neither success nor failure is ever permanent. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first, everybody. I'm picking the brains of a prolific author to find out what the rest of us do when we get stuck. Keep going. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, as Churchill said, when you're in hell, keep going. When you're walking through hell, don't stop. I love it. When you're walking through hell, don't stop. Now, if you had to give our paranormal writers out there, just someone who's starting out, would you recommend that research is the place to start? Because I read somewhere recently, and I don't know whether I agree with it, write the story, then go back and research it. What I tell writers is don't don't listen to anybody's advice. You do what you need to. Um, really, <laughs> I... I I, I know that sounds really odd, but what I start any writing workshop that I give to tell everybody is think of writing advice like a buffet. You approach it with, you look at it, you take what you need, and you leave the rest behind. Pick and choose. Because really, at the end of the day, it's your story. Uh-huh. Nobody can tell you how to write the book but you. And there's no right or wrong way to do this. Whatever gets you from the beginning, the middle to the end, is what gets you from the beginning, the middle to the end. 
I'm writing this down, everybody, because they're, they're words from the guru herself. I can't believe that you But take... I'm not the guru. I don't know what I'm doing either. <laughs> I mean, really, at the end of the day, we do, we all stumble along. I mean, you know, it, it, that is the truth. It's like, you know, do I know what I'm doing? No, the, follow your characters. Your characters are going to guide you through. Um, and your and, son, I've got to take you back to what your son said there in his science fiction writing when he's lying on the floor saying, Mummy, they won't behave themselves. Do, you, <laughs> <laughs> do your characters not behave themselves? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, I wish. Yeah. At least I can beat them and not go to jail. It's like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, and you're fairly, no. you're fairly brutal with your heroes too, which I like. Well, I have to be because they don't behave. <laughs> Yeah, every feminist listen in. This is what you do to a hero who won't behave himself. Um, would, can you just, for those of us like me, when you get to the end of one of your novels, and I haven't gotten to the end of your novels, and you're at that wonderful climactic stage and your dragons aren't doing what dragons are supposed to do and your heroes are getting the upper hand, what actually do you do to them? How do you, how do you regain control? I never regain control. That's how I know. In my opinion, that's how I know I'm doing it right. When my characters are saying things I would never say, and I'm, it's kind of like my kids. When I'm horrified by what they're doing and saying, I know I've done my job. I love that. Become independent. When my characters are independent, I love this. I'm trying to write down your little words of wisdom as you speak, but there's so many of them. Uh, oh, now, thank you. <laughs> well, um, writing workshops. How do you find the time? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I I don't sleep much. I love it. I love it. Says me waking up in the middle of the night and not making it in time. So you're a night rider. Uh, you live and breathe your writing. You you go to these comic cons. You you do all that kind of stuff. And heaven forbid, everybody, you're going to hate this. But I've just read that you actually write under two other names as well. I actually, over the years, have had many pseudonyms. <laughs> Were you ever hyperactive as a kid? <laughs> oh, my. I, yeah, and it's funny because every now and again at um, conferences, people will be like, what are your pseudonyms? I would have to stop and think. Yeah, I, I Especially in the beginning part of my career, I had so many that I did short stories under that I, 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 and I end up getting older, too. So it's like, oh, my God, up, up the ginkgo. I, I, over the years, I wrote under so many, especially doing short fiction, that really, yeah, I, I, one day we have to go down, go back and, and write down all, all the pseudonyms that I published under in the early days. I love it. I love it. Uh, are there any books that you hope never surface? Uh, there are some that were poorly edited. So there are books I would like to go back and redo that... It's not so much that that I hate that they were done. I hate what was done to them. Uh, and and that's I guess that's the advantage the, um, of indie publishing. But you've been traditionally published all the way through, haven't you? You're you're very well looked after by your by your publishers. They they actually organise all your tours and take you everywhere, and you just go along docilely, don't you? Not docilely. <laughs> Term. I love it. Everything docilely. Uh, <laughs> I was just having a chuckle. Yeah. Yeah, docile. I'm Celtic and, and Cherokee. They ain't a docile bone in my body. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's not my genetic makeup. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I have some that are hybrid that I've done 
published. I done did myself a few times, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm still on the docile thing going. Yeah. I love it. I, I thought I'm I was silly. being a little. I thought I was being a little bit cheeky, but I didn't realize that. Um, now we know everybody, Celtic and Cherokee background. Uh, I know far more coming out of this interview than I knew coming in. Uh, so <laughs> it's been absolutely wonderful, everybody. We are getting a slice of a writer's life here. A uh, hybrid author. I didn't find anything about your your um, self publishing at all, so that's interesting as well. Yeah, it's it's been a learning experience. Uh, the last of the Nick Chronicles books, I ended up buying back from a publisher because they were going to delay the publication. And one thing, anytime I give my word to my fans, my word is gold. So when they had decided that they wanted to withhold it from the public, I was like, uh, no. <laughs> they they it was traditionally the books always came out in March, and they had delayed it to the fall which the fans were not happy about. And then when they decided to delay it even further, it's like, oh, I can't do that to my fans. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that one. I had to quickly learn a whole lot about self-publishing because, yeah, once I give my word to my fans, I, I, won't, I won't ever do that to them. Okay. So we're not going to argue with you. Your fans are the the most important thing in your life. And clearly you have loyal, loyal fans who will follow you anywhere. God love them. And that that no, sir, that's why yeah. I I take it very seriously. Um, yeah, because yeah, I would not do them wrong for anything. Okay, I've got two questions to wind up because I I feel that I could just sit here and chat to you all day and listen to your listen to your first of all your little sayings that I that I'm collecting here as we write, but also your words of wisdom. You're you're a very practical writer. You just get in, you knuckle down, and you do it. Uh, you let your characters lead the way. If we've got a lot of um, I guess paranormal urban fantasy writers uh, in our groups here, what what's your advice? Um, keep going. Is, is the first thing that you say. Listen to your characters. Success will come as long as you don't give up. What, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, never give up, never surrender. <laughs> Go Galaxy Quest. I you love know, it. It, it, yeah. it is. It's, you know, the only guarantee you have is if you don't submit it, they can't publish it. You know, you've got to get those, those words down. I mean, you know, whatever it is in us that makes us writers, those characters chose you. And you're the only person in the world who can tell that story. That story had all the writers out there that it could have gone to, but it chose you for a reason. And if you don't tell it, it will never, ever be told. And so in a weird way, I look at writers like, you're obligated now because the story went to you. And you have a duty to go tell that story to the best of your abilities. And so to me, it's the greatest tragedy to see a writer quit writing. And, you know, that's what I do at my workshops and with my kids. It's like, no, tell that story. Please don't give up. Please don't. You know, whatever it takes, you get that story out there. Don't listen to that voice in your ear that goes, you suck, you suck. We all have that voice. Make that thing go away. Feed us some chocolate. Sit it down in a corner. Lock it up. And tell that story. Don't listen to anybody because we all have those little naysayers. I call them the little damn it dogs. The little damn it dogs are going to sit there in their yard and they're going to tell you all the reasons you don't deserve your dream. Lock them up in their kennel and you go and, and do what you need to do to, to get rid of them. 
and don't let them hold you back. Don't let anything stop you. You know, if I had a nickel for every person who told me I couldn't get where I am, trust me, nobody's more surprised to see me standing here than I am. But you can do it. I mean, my God, look where I am. And honey, trust me, I'm from Backwoods, Georgia. Trust me, nobody's more surprised than I am. <laughs> I, I think you're being a little bit shy. When I when I look at your background and I look at your wonderful, uh, I guess, scholarship that are behind your novels, I think you were always going to succeed. And as you said, as long as you didn't give up. I think, I think everyone, if we're not inspired and we don't want to race to our desks and start writing, uh, nothing will ever inspire us again. Now, I did read on the cheat sheet, everybody, that I have here in front of me that I wasn't allowed to ask Sherilyn about um, publishing and pregnancy. Um, so... <laughs> So first of all, we've got your son rolling around on the ground with his science fiction novels and, and you standing over him saying, get up and, and keep going. Your characters will tell you what to do. My question to you is when you stand over him and give him a bit of a whipping and send him back to his desk, do you have a sword in your hand because you collect swords? <laughs> well, I can't anymore because he's now dating a kendo expert. So he got better all of a sudden. So i got to be careful with him. He suddenly advanced past me quite a bit. So <laughs> his skills are now really, really good with that sword. I got to be careful. Yeah. Now, how did a dainty little five-foot-one woman collect uh, swords? I was raised in the middle of eight boys. Uh, say no more. So that's yeah. A, <laughs> this is sort of a, um, what is it, seven brides for seven brothers type scenario. So you're in there and you battled from day one. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, and they're, my older brother was six foot four, so they were big boys. <laughs> I'm tiny. They're gigantic. I had to have a fighting chance. Oh, I love it. Sherilyn, I would love to have you back on when you're out in Australia. Tell us about your visit to Oz as we, as we wind up now. Oh, I can't wait. I, I don't have a lot of details yet. Um, I know it's next spring. I'm waiting for the details and I should... Yeah, no, that's that. okay, everybody. I will put it in the show notes and I will certainly advertise it um, and get very excited when you're coming to Brisbane. Now, I don't know what you're going to do when you come to Brisbane. Are you coming to a Comic-Con or something or are you actually going to run your own show? Uh, no, the, uh, it's A-R-R-A. And oh, they're right. doing yeah. different events um, across Australia. So I know there are four that we're signed up for. Uh, let's see. It's Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and I think Perth, if that's correct. Yeah. Don't swear me to that, though. I love that. Just a little just a little lap of Oz won't take you too long. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm so looking forward to it. I'm going to be there for two or three weeks, and yeah. I, hopefully we'll have my youngest son with me. So it should be a great time. I'm looking forward to being back. Oh my gosh, I loved it when I was over there. The plane ride, though, it might be a little a little scary. I don't know how I'm going to handle that, but <laughs> I don't fly well. And well, I've got this picture of this poor little browbeaten son who towers over you by about two foot. Is he going to be having his novels as well? And that's just a personal curiosity. Is he going to have any of his books with him? I don't. If he finishes it, he's been working on the same book for about two years now. So I don't know where he'll be. Hopefully he'll be finished with it. Oh, I love it. That's... But sadly he doesn't tower over me, that one. I told him not to grow up. He took me literally. He's only 5'2". So, <laughs> and he, he curses me for it. He's like, Mom, really? I'm like, yeah, I gave you the little Cajun jeans. I am so sorry. Yeah. That, that's so my bad. 
Yeah. Now, if we pick through the notes, everybody, we have a wonderful background on Cheryl and you've been really generous and filling in all the gaps that, that I couldn't find anywhere else. So thank you for that. But what you've done is you've inspired me to go and read your book. So I'm certainly going to go and find well, Stygian. Stygian should be out in about 17 hours now. Uh, so by the time this podcast goes up, uh, it will be there for all of us. If you want a book that you can actually get your teeth into and enjoy, I, I would call it a, they're quite um, big books. So they're quite, are they sagas? Would you, would you, could you call them sagas or not? Some of them, yes. Um, yep. Stygian is actually bigger than it looks. I know the fans are going to be like, you told us it was huge. It is. They shrink the margins and they use thinner paper. So it doesn't look like it's quite as big as Akron and, and Sticks, but I promise it is. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to so scare off the readers, yeah. Uh, I know, right? And one of the things that I can tell you with um, our kids' books, and you talk about your, your Nick series, uh, the kids have these books sitting on their desks and they devour them. So your idea cool. of series writing and spin-off series, it drags those kids in, kids in and gets them reading like nothing else. And I'm sure if I start on your series of books, books I will quite happily sink into the abyss of of mythical characters and and beautiful archaic languages and old maps you got old maps in there as well uh some of the books do yeah, yeah. Tor, Tor particularly does amazing maps with them yeah so look they're truly romance novels, aren't they? When you get down to it, the romance, we've got the Swan series coming out which has our wonderful uh dare I say feisty heroine Oh, yeah. Well, and not all of the swans are. So um, the second book is not. It's more of a family history. Uh, it's actually the witch, trail, uh, witch trials before. Everybody knows the Salem witch trials because they're, they were with the Crucible and all. They're much more famous. This actually is the Andover trials that m- most people have never heard of that led into the Salem trials. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a family drama that makes... Dallas and Dynasty and everything people have heard of look mild. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a very interesting dynamic look. So, yeah. 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 And for all our younger generation, Dynasty and uh, Dallas, gosh, they're going back to um, series on TV when I was kids, when I was a kid. Oh, <laughs> even, oh even, yeah. Even I know this. Um, but, <laughs> but how exciting. It opens up a world of reading for, for some of us who haven't delved in. And for those of us who are already fans, uh, just those added details really give give that rich background. So thank you for your generosity. Now, this is the dumbest question I've asked in a bunch of dumb questions today. Where do we find you? Oh, at SherilynKenyon.com or Facebook, which I think it's uh, Facebook.com forward slash uh, author Sherilyn Kenyon. I think yeah. that's right. I should know this. <laughs> no, it's really straightforward, everybody. Sherilyn is everywhere. I could, trust me, if you want to Google Aww. her, you will find her everywhere, which is fantastic. Um, your covers of your books are, are um, distinct. I was going to say extremely distinctive. How bad is that? Um, distinctive. And we've got a book coming out as we speak. I'm assuming you're off to, to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll be at DragonCon this weekend, so... Or actually, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday lunch party, t- Thursday. Yeah. I'll be there Wednesday, though, to set it up. Yeah. Do you get to dress up? I do. Oh, my God. I'm going to be a pirate for the lunch party. And then oh. I have a, some really cool costumes for the rest of the weekend. How cool is that? Pirates. And, and I've got to admit, I'm an ultimate romantic. I love pirates. So I hope, I hope you're oh. nice to your pirates. Oh. 
pirates are fun. Ah, oh, I've got well, to mention. The guy who works yep. for me is actually descended from Blackbeard. Oh, cool. So, right? do, do you have research assistants? I'm so sorry. What did you say? Do you have research assistants? Uh, no, actually, I, I do it myself, so no. Oh, gosh, I don't know how you I, – I, clearly you do not sleep. No, I really don't. It, it, <laughs> my children hate that about me because I have um, – on the door I have a camera so, so I can watch. And my kids ever try – They now they're grown, so it doesn't matter. But when they were younger, occasionally they'd forget and they'd try to slip out and it'd be like, where are you going? Oh, my God, it's the eye in the sky. She never sleeps. <laughs> I'm going to my car, Mom. I'm coming right back. It's like, yes, you are. Yeah, you are. Okay. So if you're in America, everybody, don't forget you can pop over and see Sherilyn at, first of all, there's Dragon Con, then there's a Comic Con. Uh, then when uh, Sherilyn gets out here to Oz, we can see her. I'll shout it from the rooftops when you're here in Brisbane. And um, I know we've got some people who are very excited to, to see you coming out as well. So thank you very much. Um, I'm going to sign off now. So it's bye from me at Rider on the Road. And Sherilyn, I'll get you to take us out. Uh, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to being there. Okay, that's bye from Rudder on the Road. Bye.